0: for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we welcome one of the biggest names in the renowned competition, the Mustache Games. When Josh Bridges isn't tending to the hair garden that is his face, he enjoys sculpting and toning his physique. His chosen exercise regime, constantly varied functional movements performed at a high intensity. Okay, of course, we all know Josh Bridges for continuously crushing souls as a six-time CrossFit Games competitor and for proudly serving his country not as a pirate impersonator at a popular family amusement park, but as a former Navy SEAL. Just listening to Josh discuss his wrestling background, coaching his kids, preparing for competition, recovery practices, is guaranteed to improve your performance. All you have to do is perform one burpee each time listening to how much he's accomplished makes you feel bad about yourself. This is episode 292. Pill for them little
1: lines
2: First podcast. episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning in, for 2019. 29- oh, yeah. Ing, in. ing. <laughs> strength and conditioning in, ing, ing. for 2019. Well, that's right, people. This is episode number one, one million. <laughs> million of Power Athlete Radio 292. 292. With special guest John Wellborn.
1: Ah, thank oh. you for once again having me on the Premier <laughs> Podcast and <in> Straight Conditioning.
2: <laughs> well, guess Thuff, what, people? Suffering thucketash. Another year and we're still idiots. Uh, listen, mom, dad, thanks for listening. Tex, his mom, dad, John's mom, dad, thanks for listening. All right, we're going to expand our audience today. We have a special guest besides John Wellborn, but we're not Wellborn A. Wellborn A. Josh yeah, Wellborn A. Yeah, it's, it's the French side. We get into that. We got some very special announcements. Listen, mm-hmm. people, we know it's a new year and new a you. new you. How did you fucking know that, Tex?
1: <laughs> Why? Because I had that in my blog post. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new New year, new me.
2: me. New year, new you. And guess what? Power Athlete is here to help. Two new, hot, fresh products off the press. Number one, our keto and leaning protocol have gotten a facelift. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in getting some guidance, from John Wellborn himself, you need to head over to PowerAthleteHQ.com slash nutrition. And right there, you will see the landing page for our new protocols, All right? So what do we do? We've made it tailorable and pairable with MyFitnessPal. Long story short. We're not affiliated with them. Yeah. We all just use the app. It's the most widely used nutrition tracking app.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's really easy because, you know, having to work in convert macros and worry about, you know, food, you know, this and, you know, quantities. And uh, we were just doing them on spreadsheets and asking mm-hmm. people to go and do the research. And we just found us defaulting to MyFitnessPal. All the time. All yeah. the time. And it just was easier for us to kind of link them up and make sure that they looked really good. So we went back and uh, Luke worked his magic to kind of link them up. And then we also have been talking about this program internally for
2: a long time. I'm pretty excited. And we've put out a tester, and that is our Lean and Able training program. Last year, we put out uh, a little six-week program for folks, and they loved it. And then throughout the year, did some testing, and we're happy to announce that we have added a program to the family. We have Bedrock. We have Field Strong, Jack Street, Grindstone, and our Speed Kills program, our Dynamic Movement prep, our warm-ups. And now we have... A weekly training program, Lean Enable. And, and it's gonna be sick. So, what we've done is we've pared it down. A lot of folks come to us and they say, hey, I just can't, I, I, I don't have 60 minutes. I don't have 60 minutes to do this. Or, hey, what can my Say uh, Go do? They're not too into the barbell stuff. So, what we've created is a super, super accessible program called Lean Enable that is just, I, I, I enjoyed testing it to be honest with you. Movement, so it's movement, and we're looking at training
1: sessions anywhere from thirty to forty minutes, maybe forty-five minutes. Yeah, we got some more uh, some warm-up stuff in there. So if uh, if time is of a factor, you can just cut the mm-hmm. warm-up up and jump right in. Uh, we got a little bit of accessory on the backside on a few days, but for the most part, it comes down to just doing a ton of trunk stability, a bunch of mobility work, and then just getting in it, smashing it, and then getting
2: out. Mm-hmm. And the goal is just hey. Get you in shape, get you moving, get you moving. It's a great place to exit if you have super, super short on time and grindstone, believe it or not, tends to be too much for some folks. Or if you have someone in your family or in your unit, in your crew, right, in your posse who just needs somewhere to
1: start, this is it. Like, this is the very fundamental starting point. Well, I think the biggest question, or not the biggest, but really a question we get asked often where do I start? You know, I've, I've been away from training. Like, uh, I forged you guys one of the comments yeah. today on, yeah. uh, I, I think it was on, on Johnny Wad yeah, was that Johnny was said, like, I've been away for months and I come back and I smashed over a myself. Year. Yeah, yeah, over a year. Over I year. I came back and smashed myself. I'm still, I threw up. I'm still feeling nauseous. Like, day one is the hardest. I know it's going to, you know, get easy. So I think... Uh, putting something like Lean Enable to help people return to fitness and training and just get back into the mindset of the mode so that like once they get into it, they can, you know, either continue it or branch off into other programs. It's also an introduction. So this is a big sales pitch over Christmas
3: break for my sister who wanted to get into marathon running post two kids. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to learn to move, lift Mm -hmm. a little weight, And have fun doing it in in her basement. So I have kettlebells and dumbbells left over when I was
2: living up those ways.
3: So now she's able to use that in her own home. Yeah, it's going to be perfect.
2: Anyways, if you want more on that, just head to PowerAthleteHQ.com slash Lean and Able. All one word, Lean and Able.
1: And and also, we have coming up on our 10-year anniversary of CrossFit football. Oh, oh, yeah. So, with the 10-year anniversary of CrossFit football coming up, the uh, we're finishing up the Marvel cycles, and we're going to get back into the CFFB. Uh, I went and cracked open the archives, and we're going to drop that on Johnny Watts. That's right. So... Uh, prepare to get your faces smashed at 1 million miles an hour as I break open the original I think it was the original 100 or 200 workouts Mm -hmm. so we're going to go through a bunch of cycles of the original CrossFit football stuff and uh, we're going to see if we can melt some faces on Johnny Wad slightly modified uh, yeah, because uh, I'm not a fucking <laughs> asshole like I used to be, where I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, now, I'd look, yeah, now I'd be like, oh, I hope you fucking die. Now I'm looking at it and be like, hey, man, we're all friends. We're going to hold some hands. It's going to get ugly. And so uh, I know I'm uh, I was going back and looking and being like, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> like there was one workout like that. They just, you yeah, I like like looking at it. I'm, I'm pretty excited. And then the funny part is how many people are like, I just do anything to get those archives. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, you got to Subscribe to Johnny Wad and come out and see That's us. Right. And That's right. That's gonna be cool. Little, yeah, I can't fucking wait.
2: A little nostalgia. So, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of fitness, we're pretty excited for our next guest. I think the coolest CrossFitter on the planet. I think he's pretty cool. I, think he's I fucking cool. love that mustache,
1: dude. He looks like a like a pirate, yeah. like a pirate slash uh, like English dude that hunts the pirates. <laughs> like, you, like you know what I'm talking about? Like, no. uh, So they had, like, a, what, what is it? The conquistador? Uh, Are you saying no, a conquistador? No, <laughs> like the West Indy Trading Company was, uh, like, the ones who went out and hunted the pirates. And so uh-huh. they would brand the pirates with, like, uh, you know, the insignia. I did not know that. Yeah, so there was a whole deal. So he just looks like whenever I, had, like, see any of the pictures of, like, the, the dudes that hunted the pirates, they all kind of look like him. Well, dudes, chicks, listeners, we're going to talk with Josh Bridges on some EMS
2: stuff, some training stuff, and what's in the future for this guy who's been around and just fucking whooping ass in the sport of fitness space. So let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Oh, good one, John. Yeah, Uh, Josh, hey, man, thanks for coming on, dude. Uh, In case anyone who's listening, which is highly unlikely, well. Well, that anybody's listening? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Give some background to the listeners who may not know who Josh Bridges is.
4: Uh, yeah, um, I'm a. As of right now, like most people know me for being a CrossFit Games athlete, uh, six-time Games athlete, um, four-time top ten finisher, took second, was my highest place. Uh, former Navy SEAL, former collegiate uh, collegiate wrestler, um, NAI, nothing special. Uh, dad to two awesome sons, eight and six. Uh, proud owner of a, you know, 85 K30. Thanks to Mr. Walborn mm. over there.
1: Yeah, we, we can get into the square body talk, but uh, yes, now, yeah, yes. we'll, yeah, we'll come back to that.
4: You mean I'll be a listener and I'll just sit here and gain knowledge. Dude, I don't it, know
1: anything. it was uh, <laughs> just a tubber buddy. Josh hits me up on social media and is like, Hey man, uh, I'm looking at this truck. Uh, can you know, give, give me your opinion. And uh, so he forwards me this truck and, like, it was a mid-'70s uh, gasser in California, which is very hard to register. And I'm like, yo, man, like, it's either got to be pre-'75 or a pre-'97 diesel. For those of you guys that know trucks and California smog laws, if you're outside of those realms, it's, like, next to impossible to get them smog. And then you can't get them registered. It's a pain in the ass. So uh, right. I steered him away from that and then got him turned onto a pretty cool truck, which was a bitchin', what was it, a 87 diesel. Uh, you know, just really probably, I mean, actually I sent him with one of my buddies, Garrett, who born for adventure, oh, who yeah, is yeah. the, uh, you know, the square body hunter extraordinaire. And he went up there and Garrett texts me. He's like, this is the nicest truck I've ever seen. And Garrett's, <laughs> Garrett's used to just pee, picking up crusty pieces of shit. And he's like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and like, that's just his deal. And he's like, this thing is the nicest truck we've ever seen. So I was stoked that he got a, a solid truck and we could turn him onto it and helped him yeah. avoid the pitfalls, which is unfortunate because People fall into that and they don't know that there's all these weird laws in California that unfortunately or fortunately, if you know somebody that's been down these roads, then like they can help you navigate it. But like, man, if you didn't if you didn't reach out, you would have made a bad decision that you wouldn't have realized until it was too late. You
4: know, oh, I was I was right there. I was I was checking hand, cash in hand, ready to to buy that thing. And then. John's like, that thing's a pig with lipstick on it. And I like, I don't want it. And I, I think like, I told him right, if you I- buy
1: that, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. I was yeah. like, uh, don't buy that fucking thing. And it, I mean, and it, it was a, it was be- beautiful looking truck, but California's really weird with all these smog laws. And if he doesn't pass smog or doesn't fit within these like, right. um, uh, years of, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, exception. Um, like, dude, I remember when we got Luke's, uh, 98, 12 valve, uh, diesel truck, Uh, even though it was all old technology, um, because it was a 98, it was supposed to have an OBD port, OBD2 port, but the problem is it's a mechanical diesel, so when you plug it in, it says nothing, so when we took it to get it smogged, the guy's like, it's not saying anything, I'm like, well, it's a mechanical diesel, and like, it was one of these weird laws, and we had to like, go to the DMV, and go through all this process, and they did it, and then like, it was just really laborious, and so it just helps to, know the laws and so man he got a really really killer truck for roughly i think about 40 percent on the dollar from what you were going to pay for that thing
4: yeah yeah for sure it was it was nice it was awesome man. it's getting wrapped right now as we speak now, Nice. nice black
1: oh uh matt yeah. black nice nice
4: yeah yeah so i'm pretty still
1: did, yeah, uh what 30. what are you going to do with all the uh where the guy did the rhino lining bed liner on it you're going to leave so that?
4: i already got that no that already got removed um, I had, I basically brought it to the wrap place and the guy's like, I can get that stuff taken off. No problem. Cause I went out there with a, uh, you know, just a paint chisel and a uh, paint scraper. And I got like the front end off in about two hours. And I was like, Hey man, this isn't going to be as hard as I thought it was going to be. And so, okay. Yeah. He's like, no big deal. We'll get that taken care of. And then we'll wrap the whole thing. Cause at first we were just going to, uh, butt the wrap up to that rhino liner and it actually didn't look that bad, but I was like, man, I just want to get that shit off there. I don't yeah. want it on there. I don't like it. So uh, we got that taken care
1: of. Like, was there any rust underneath there? Or was there no. any?
4: Yeah, no, no. I said it was all pretty clean underneath the, uh, the, the rhino liner and everything like that. So it wasn't really trying to hide anything.
1: Well, that's, that's good. I mean, it's a California truck. Normally when people do that stuff, it's usually to like hide, like a little bit of imperfection. So I was, when I saw it, I was like, ah, but it's a California truck. It's whole life. You, for the most part, like there's no salt or chemicals or shit. Like, cause you know, the weather in California is perfect all year round. So it's, uh, that's why it's right. always nice to get those trucks. But so you're going all matte black. And then, uh, I know you ordered the ORD lift, uh, yep. a little two inches and get some 35s on there. It's going to look great.
4: Yeah. my uh, Yeah. The, the wheels are already coming there in the mail with the with the tires so yeah i'm i'm still i'm actually out of town until like the 7th or something like that so when i get home it should all be done oh cool nice
1: dude yeah. i can't wait to see it dude that's a kick-ass truck so awesome yeah. well we got another guy in the square body crew you know chris drives uh a 90 uh, 86 86 sorry yeah M- k30 M- m1028 he has a chuck v oh wait oh yeah, M, no. You have an M ten M ten twenty. no, M ten oh eight. So he's got the same K 30 6.2 diesel, the the military nice. version. Yeah, we picked that yeah. up at uh, from a dude out in New Mexico. Yeah. So I was
2: just telling that story Roswell, right? Roswell, New yeah,
3: Mexico. Roswell, New Mexico. Ah. Ross from the the testing facility of the aliens. Literally, it was all <laughs> like barbed wired up. That's we great, up dude. To the ranch
1: man, I, I was kind of thinking about it. Like I met you at the CrossFit games, uh, when you had just hurt your knee. Yeah. And I remember you yeah, had just 24. torn your ACL. So how how did you tear your ACL? Was it in training? Was it, a?
4: Uh, so I tore everything. I, I mean, the ACL was one of the ligaments that torn that year, but it was, uh, it was over, I was overseas on deployment in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, being an idiot and me and a guy got into it and wrestled around a little bit. And then, dislocated uh, my left knee. So I double-legged him and picked him up and then dropped him on my own knee like an idiot in loose gravel. And, uh, it tore my ACL, PCL, MCL, my meniscus. Cause it was a complete dislocation. I mean, we went straight from, I got, you know, flown out of the little camp that I was in and went to a different big base in Afghanistan. And the guy, the doctor was like, Hey, we need to do a CAT scan because there's big arteries and veins running behind your knee. And if any of them got, um, uh, uh, ripped or anything like that then we're gonna have to amputate your leg so Fuck. yeah that was pretty fun so that was pretty awesome <laughs> i started i started looking at the doctor being like dude you take my leg i'm taking your leg bro so uh yeah it, it ended up everything being fine obviously went back home to san diego they repaired the acl and pcl uh stitched the meniscus and left the mcl torn um but yeah so that was that extent that was that knee uh injury back in twelve
1: and then you continue to to keep training and you know competing in the mm-hmm. CrossFit games and now it's probably after you know six years of you know that wear and tear and training and whatnot now you're about to go go right. in and get it fixed again <laughs> yeah. huh
4: yeah right back into it, so everything's been retorn i you know i don't even know if the actual the if the um, cadavers took because I'd never really felt like I got back to hundred percent. And obviously with that kind of injury, I didn't expect to to get back to hundred percent, but able to get back to a, you know, competitive state, which was awesome. But like now I'm going to see, uh, you know, the guy who I tried to get back into when you recommend me going to the Stedman clinic. Well, yeah. I mean, actually
1: well. I called, uh, Dr. Stedman's scheduler nurse, uh, who, you know, said he had done all my work to try to get you in. And I remember, yeah. uh, you know, they fucking kind of ixnade that, which kind of sucked because, you know, the and Navy it, did. yeah, well, in my mind, it's like, fuck, man, like, I'm sure the Navy docs are good. But like Stedman is probably he believes the best in the world and he's since retired. But, you know, Stedman Hawkins right. Clinic still exists. So now you're going back up to Vail to get those guys to work on it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a small world. It's crazy. So the doctor who's doing my surgery now, his name is Matt Preventure, Awesome guy. And he was actually in the Navy at the time of when I dislocated my knee in 2012. And he, he actually would have been the doctor who would have done my surgery, but he was on deployment. So I got stuck with a different doctor. Um, Needless to say, I wasn't like super happy with what, how, how it turned out. Uh, But whatever it is, what it is, but now that doctor that was in the Navy is the doctor. He, he, he went He ended up going to the Patriots and becoming the Patriots team doctor for a few years, and now he is at the Stedman clinic, and so he 's the one who 's actually doing my surgery who the same guy who would have done my surgery back in two thousand and twelve if he wasn 't on the clinic yeah, but
1: Especially. I like to think he 's better six years later and then <laughs> right yeah of course so so they did cadavers on you before, so this time i I know at least uh you know because Uh, just doing research on my own that like, you know, back about six, seven, eight years ago, everybody was doing the cadaver. And now they've kind of looked at it and said, Hey, the cadaver is not the way to go. Uh, now the, the still it's the middle third of the patellar tendon is by far has the highest chance of like, of, um, you know, non-rejection taking and working. So is that kind of the, the game plan?
4: Yeah, uh, I think so. And so I'm not, um, I don't know exactly all the extent because I have two surgeries. So the first surgery is because my knee is not aligned correctly right now. He's like, we can go in and fix all these ligaments, but if your knee's not aligned, there's nothing's going to happen. Like the, the ligaments won't take when we go back to fix them. So the first surgery is an osteotomy where they cut the uh, tip, fib, um bone and packet full of oligraft to basically realign the knee joint. And then once we do that, then we're going to go in and fix the ACL, PCL, MCL and do a cartilage donor. Oh, wow. So it's going to be about a year, a year long process. The first surgery is going to take about four months to recover, recover from. And then after that, it'll be uh, a six month recovery after that.
1: Yeah. I think that man, the, the amount of time that goes on, like the technology gets so cool that like now, like they even go to the point where they're like, you know, able to like laser the knee and like, uh, you know, do like a computer modeling to know exactly how much they need to alter it and change it. So it's really gotten to a, like a, I mean, before it was like, you know, Kentucky windage where they're like.
4: You know, hey, this <laughs> right. looks about right, right, you know. But now, like <laughs> yeah.
1: they, it's it's pretty amazing to see how technologically they're advanced they're getting. So I'm, uh, yeah, man. I'm. I mean, it sucks that you have to go through that process. But it, what's even more amazing is how fucked your knee was, and yet how right. competitive you were right. in the CrossFit space. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, the year you finished second. I mean, who, who who did you? Was that behind Rich froney
4: Yeah, behind Rich. Yeah. 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 That so. Was, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure you're like, hey, man, if I was 100%, I would have fucking smashed you, from <laughs> yo. <laughs>
4: from well, that yo. Was, well, that year was 11, so I, was, I wasn't injured that year. So in 2013, the year after, it was probably less than a year after the surgery. Or no, just over a year after the surgery, I took seventh that year, which I was pretty stoked about because due to the fact, yeah, that I wasn't even – I mean, I was like 14 months out of that surgery and still taking seventh at the games. I was pretty pumped. And then the following year, I took fourth. Uh, and that was, you know, that was the year I probably felt the best out of that surgery. And then after that, it kind of slowly, started. I felt like that was when after that, I started to feel like, uh, it regressing at that point, my knee. Well, yeah.
1: So, but I mean, if you look at the, the training volume and, you know, Dave Castro's baton death march of, of programming, yeah, right. I mean, dude, yeah. like I, I, like I remember watching that and thinking to myself, man, like, uh, dude, I, I remember you telling me about your knee and like looking at it and being like, fuck, it just has to be hot. You know, like yeah. I, I remember after I would play when my knee was messed up, I remember I would like get done and I could like feel the temperature on my leg. And I remember the trainer would always come over with like the um like, like the temperature gun, like they measure like an engine block. And he would always yeah. hit me with this like thermometer and it'd be like ah oh, this. And then all of a sudden, like my knee would be, you know, four or five degrees hotter. And it just would they pack it with ice to try to just get the temperature down. And I remember wow. sitting out there watching it and being like, God, his knee just feels it must be so, so hot. Glowing. Yeah
4: always it was it always was hot that's actually the one thing I've always noticed about my knee since that surgery is like wow you can just I can just touch my knee if my hands are cold you know and warm them up a little bit so but yeah it's it's crazy and like through the years learning different techniques on how to like alleviate that swelling alleviate that pain has been you know it's been huge in every aspect not just the for my knee but for like recovering everywhere else as well. So well and, and I know you're a Power Dot
1: guy. Um you know that's yeah, sure. you know for for me where uh where I discovered, discovered EMS and I'm sure people in the podcast have heard this before was actually through Charlie Francis and the EMS. So when I ruptured my patellar tendon like nothing fucking worked. And yeah. uh the EMS protocols that I, I got in the unit that I have, like it was crazy. I went to where I couldn't do anything and then within a few weeks like the EMS, it was almost like it just woke up the motor units and got it to fire. And, uh, you know, I know when, you know, we were working with the, um, another company and they say it didn't involve mm-hmm. their technology. And I know you're involved with them too. And then when Eric right. presented the power dot, I remember, you know, shit, you were one of the same guys that were like, man, this technology's so jiggy and so cool. And oh, yeah. it's just helping people understand that it's, not just a recovery device, even though you can, but that's like not the the main usage or what I get excited Wait, about. John, can we go into the performance aspect of the PowerDot in EMS versus the
3: recovery? Because I'm sure Joss is going to have to change things up now as he enters recovery mode. Yeah.
1: Does it change the protocols on the EMS? Yeah, I mean, so uh, originally with, um, there was a lot of kind of. I guess you could say like a user understanding when you start looking at like Hertz. So there's different, you know, frequencies of, I guess you could say the impulses and how it all kind of aligns. And those impulses and the the Hertz really the, uh, uh, I guess you could say the power frequency are really just the, um, yeah, I mean, it's really the Hertz, uh, like a zero to four and then be able to go out to like a 20 to 30, 40 to 50, and then out to like, a, you know, 110, 120, obviously where you kind of dial those uh, those frequencies in elicits a certain response so like being able to do like a you know a lower kind of deal with like muscle pump or like pumping it where you can pump fluid through and kind of work to like speed recovery opposed from what I always liked it and how I ended up using it which was more in terms of performance deal where I realized that if I could hit certain frequencies I could stimulate and recruit motor units to fire just basically indiscriminately So if you think about if he goes into the gym and Josh is going to get underneath the barbell and train and he's going to squat, let's say one RMS, how many motor units is he effectively fatiguing uh, in a given session? Who knows, right? It might not be balanced right to left because if he has one injury, that's, you know, neurological inhibition. Central nervous system is blocking things. He might have pain. All of a sudden, the fact that his joint angle is different. So now the joint angle on one side is favoring one. As the knee comes in, he's hitting his his uh, adductor and not his glute, his big toe. I mean, all the things that he has to do uh, there's no balance between it. So what's cool about throwing on the EMS devices is now the motor units, when you, know, when you juice that thing up, it fires all the motor units, and it trains them in a certain way to get them recruited and brings them up. And for me, my motor units, because of the uh, uh, severing of the nerve, just didn't know how to fire. And like when I got them max and got them pumped up and really just hitting, it just was like it awoke in something. And what's even cooler is over time, because you balance it right to left, If you continue to press it, all of a sudden the body figures out that it can balance them out. And so we were able to find muscle imbalances. Like you hook up your quad and you can get the one reaction off of a lower one. You hook up your hamstring and you get a higher reaction. And I realized that I could start balancing things right to left. And that's where things get really exciting. And then the other one was, um, and people do this, you know, with, uh, you know, what I liked about the power dot is it took some of that out of it and kind of said, hey, if you're going to train this. Like it took the frequencies away and just kind of bucketed it so it was easy to understand. But what I kind of figured out is that most people go and when I talked to them and traveled around and just worked with a lot of different people talking about EMS, everybody just went to like the highest protocol, hmm. right? Because everybody figured like, hey, I'm just going to recruit as much type 2 muscle fiber as possible. I'm going to get hit those type 2X. And what they don't realize is that how much available uh, fast twitch muscle fiber do you have? That's a really interesting thing. So, like, for an example, a guy like Josh, collegiate wrestler, uh, pretty, you know, fast, you know, good athlete, Navy SEAL. He probably has more available to him. For me, I was pretty high availability. The problem is when we started working with a lot of people, I'd be like, oh, you know, what's your vertical jump? And they got like an 18-inch vertical jump. Wow. Right? So if you so have an double 18 Texas. Inch, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so if you have like a, uh, like a lower vertical jump or this, or, or, or you're an untrained person, or you might not have as much genetic, uh, potential, mm-hmm. then what I found is that people were going to the most difficult program, trying to recruit something that they might not have had. And then basically taking people step back and be like, okay, yeah, diminishing returns, we, kind of, right? Like you're not, yeah, yeah. you yeah. don't have enough to make a difference. So my thing was whenever I would prescribe protocols or I'd work with people, I'd be like, who are you? Right. Like, what do you do well? And more importantly, what does your training look like up to this point? Now, let's say, Hey, I, I, you know, I'm a fucking world-class Olympic lifter or I've been doing nothing. And we, I had one guy who was a marathon runner who wanted to get strong and do Olympic lifting. And he's like, should I just do all the type two X? I'm like, (laughs) ah, dude, I bet you if we did genetic testing, you'd be lower. So why don't we work to stimulate what is within your wheelhouse? And I think where I started writing the programs and where I kind of took it in a different way was understanding who the athlete was and then helping them design programs that were, allowed them to maximize themselves opposed from just like, just do this. And that was kind of Charlie's deal is like, who are you? If you are a world-class 800-meter runner, your, pro, your protocol is going to be a little different than the guy who's a world-class 100-meter runner, who's going to be the difference in the football player in this. So, um I think it's by far the most underutilized piece of technology I've seen is really the EMS devices. And I just think cause people fuck it
4: up. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean the way you just talked about it so much, I mean so far over my head that to where I'm like, yeah, I, I was like, I would just like slap it on and per- crank it up as high as you could. That's what else would you do? I mean, that's just uh, I think that comes from the wrestling mentality or the, seal mentality as well where it's like you gotta go hard it's gotta go as hard as you can all Well, time. well, but yeah.
1: but you naturally found the single greatest factor for success with the EMS device and I just remember when I got coached up on how to use it back in the day the comment was you have to ramp it up to the point where you almost can't take it and, like, if you have, like, a bead of sweat on your top lip because it hurts so bad, <laughs> that's right. good. And the minute that that fucking, that feels okay and, like, it kind of comes down, are like, oh, this is tolerable. You have to ramp yep. it up again. So we, right. we, we went out and worked with the guys from development group. And um, we brought EMS devices, brought power, to, brought them all because they were like, hey, you know what? We need to design some training programs when we deploy. Yeah. So, yep. you know, so we, we brought power dots, And uh, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, well... One, we fucked up because we tried to get them all synced at once, and everybody else's was syncing dude. everybody else's. Yeah. So Josh, then, right. so, so, <laughs> so like one dude synced one other guy, and he just started ramping up, and dude was like, ah, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> and so we sent them off, they got them all done, and then I came back, and I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I want you to ramp it up. And then I just started taking their phones and fucking ramping it up, and they were like freaking yeah. the fuck out. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, I was like, dude, if um, – You have to push the intensity and push your threshold to the point of like no return that, and uh, you know, and it's just like being able for people to understand that and then have them really push that. So, I mean, you just out of personality type and, you know, genetic who you are, you probably just hit it right on like, oh, I'm just going to go to the hardest one and try to fucking hurt myself and right. it just so happened but for some people that don't have either you know the seal mentality and don't really have training the, background the training the, background and who you are that same approach wouldn't benefit them in the same way so then people are like oh this thing didn't work and i'm like it's not right. that it didn't work it's just you didn't hit hit the you know the i guess you could say the appropriate yeah. dose or
2: uh, application yeah. right yeah
1: didn't dive yeah. deep enough into the bag yeah
4: and i mean uh, for the- yeah, go, oh, on. go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I was just gonna say the imbalances too was huge. Like, seeing just how much I had to always unlink the the channels do the with the power dot. I mean, I think the power dot by far, like you said, is, is so much better than anyone out there. But I had to unlink them always because my left leg, I'd have to crank it up so much higher than my right leg, to where my right leg would get hit faster and like lower and with a lower uh, frequency. But my left leg, because of the knee injuries and everything, and I think the, probably some nerve issues or whatever, too, like I'd have to just crank that thing up for it to fire at all. It was, it, but, it's, but then again, all of a sudden, it would start to – when I started using that and implementing it with my squatting and after squatting and everything like that, that was when my legs felt the strongest it ever felt.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, by far, by we, we used it for, for imbalance. And so the the idea is that like, hey, if like 10, like uh, my, my whole deal came down to I want you to balance the contraction right to left. So like if I'm doing my quads, I want the balance on the quad. And then all of a sudden one dude's able to get like a, up to a 50 and, you know, he's getting this crazy, you know, muscle contraction. So what the, the EMS device does is it actually creates a voluntary contraction, so concentric contraction. So if, like, this is a 50 and then all of a sudden he has a leg injury and he's got it pumped up at, like, 300 and the, and the contractions are balanced, like, that's, that's a problem because where do we know injury comes from? Not from necessarily one uh, muscle being weaker. It always comes from one being that much stronger than yeah. the other. Yeah, in because then it, injuries. Yeah, because then it takes more load. So, so he's more apt to get an injury not in his injured leg, but yeah. in his healthy leg, and then, of course... He starts losing what he's able to leaning on. So like that balance piece, but then being smart enough and saying, all right, now that uh, and he just hit on it, like once you're able to progress and you balance them, being able to put them into a program where now you're doing what I call, you know, dynamic eccentric work where you're doing squatting, you're jumping, you're doing plyometrics. And so what you're doing is you're effectively the EMS device is causing a concentric contraction and then he's dynamically stretching it or doing the eccentric. Does that make sense? And, and like, that's where we started to apply metrics and squats and all the shit. And when I added that into my program, that's where all of a sudden where my knee was like, I mean, the EMS just helped me get back. And when I started doing all the work with it, all of a sudden shit like exploded. And I was like, oh, man, this was a huge deal. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's a game changer. great tool for providing feedback for imbalance.
3: And as Josh, you're a wrestler, you've been to the games multiple times you need that feedback to tell you there is a weakness or a limitation yep. because you're mentally strong enough to just go. So it's a great yeah. tool for feedback.
1: Dude. Um you know, uh um, you know, there's only two people on this, you know, call right now that have actually competed in the CrossFit games, one of them being oh, me. Luke oh, and I have no been to the deal. games. <laughs> we've been to the games multiple times.
2: I've not competed, we've just watched Josh fucking smoke people. <laughs> yeah. Then, which was my favorite. And then watched all the babes out there just like, wow, we're really out of shape. These chicks are fucking gnarly. Like, Dude. Is,
1: let's go get another beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just remember like the overwhelming um uh, like the like the universal theme of the CrossFit games was like suns out thighs out just every girl in booty shorts and mm-hmm. just being like huge thighs it was it man it was good I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm into it but like uh, as you approach it like I always wonder like um, in your training mentality uh, like to to realize like I mean obviously you know you know I've known Dave Castor a long time so have you and you know obviously he was a team you know former teams guy like knowing that mentality and knowing the CrossFit deal how did you approach that training like that to me is always the like you don't know what's coming, but you know, it's going to be fucking awful and you know, it's going to be long. It's going to be short. So like, I, I know there's a skill development in this, but like, what was the thing that you leaned upon when you were like, Hey man, if I can do this or this is what the training looks like, I should be fucking ready to crush it.
4: Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's such a hard thing. Exactly. Cause we don't know exactly what we're training for. We have an, an, a general idea. And then we always know that there's going to be some sort of new implementation that he's going to throw at us. Um, and I always tried to think about, because the running theme was every year, it was like something that we did in training or we did in the teams somewhere along the line as some sort of test of some sort. And so I always tried to kept like, I'd always rack my brain every year to be like, okay, what's he going to add this year? Like, you know, like, um, you know, the sledging stuff with like, okay, I-, I was a breacher. Awesome. That's easy. Like I know how to do sledge uh, work, sledge work. And then they had uh, this like five foot wall that they implemented it in the I want to say it was a 13 games where we did burpees over. It. it was a super short workout, but it was actually something that at dev group, at development group, they used where it was like a 60 second who can basically get up. Like basically you do a burpee on each side of the wall and, and how many times you could get up and over that wall in 60 seconds. And that was a test. And so I, me- I kind of remembered we had, we had one actually on the West coast. And so I remember I used to do a lot of stuff with that. Um, but yeah, just trying to figure out things that we did and how we could test it. Obviously, you know, when the swimming got involved and then sand runs and, um, and then trail running, um, that was recent, more recently, I guess, at the 17 games where he took us up back up to the ranch and we did that trail run that everyone did at the beginning of in the 2009 games. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it was one of those things where you had to rack your brain and think about what he could, what he couldn't do, but not focus on that i i tried to steer actually towards like more like organic grassroots types crossfit or type of crossfit um, because in a sense if you sit there and you try to practice and train for something that you don't even know if it's going to be there you're just going to waste so much energy on that and and then it possibly not, might not even do it so a lot of times you just had to rely on athleticism where i thought that that was another thing that helped me out in my crossfit career was the fact that I grew up just playing sports and all the different sports that I played and that helped me become a better athlete where I think that a lot of these younger kids coming up, I mean, people say that these kids who are starting CrossFit when they're in their teenage years are going to like, if they're going to be freaks or not, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna be the case or not, really. I
1: I, I disagree. We had uh we we taught a, a seminar at um our last actually CrossFit seminar was at Rich's gym and that kid who was like their younger kid that I think they didn't I think they homeschooled him so he could CrossFit. He came yeah, to our well. yeah, he came to our seminar and Uh, really struggled in just anything that looked like change of direction movement anything that was kind of fostering developing athleticism and when he couldn't do it didn't have the ability to humble himself and just got mad and didn't want to be there anymore and i remember being like yo man like i get it but like let me just give you a little bit of perspective of somebody who you know has done this and did something for a long time in another place, you know? Like, yeah. just trust me, man. Like, instead yeah. of just you not being okay, like, you know, the idea of like weaknesses, like if athleticism and basically playing sport and moving in space and these things are what you struggle at, like that'll be what is the, you know, thing that's yeah. gonna show up and, and yeah, be yeah, your limiting right. factor. And, exactly, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't want to hear that, but he's young. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, like oh. I, I, yeah, I go back to the same shit. Like you were like, when I was young, you can fucking tell me anything. And now I'm like, oh, I fucking should have listened more.
4: Right. <laughs> right. Of course. But yeah, no, that I, I think that, you know, those kids that, that are, are sitting there just training cross it, you're just like, man, you're doing yourself a disservice by not playing sports. You know, like you're not growing up being an, an athlete and don't get me wrong, moving barbells and, and working on the gym fun, but gosh, like going out and playing sports is, that that, that was how I grew up.
2: Yeah. Apply the training. Mm
4: -hmm. Right. Exactly. Like don't train to train, train to be good at something else. So, uh, but yeah, that, I think I relied on that a lot in my, in my training. And I also, uh, you know, for me, I also, I would just push, push the volume because I knew that at the CrossFit games going, sorry, going back to like the question where like, how did I train for the games or whatever? um, Like there, there was a saying that we always had was, you know, fall back on training and don't try to rise to the occasion. Right. So if if I worked this hard in training, then I knew that whatever Dave threw at me, I wouldn't be as sore. I wouldn't be as tired. And it wouldn't be as hard as something that I put myself through during the training period, leading up to the games.
2: So is there like a leading up to the games? Is there a, a group text message of like CrossFit elite veterans who are like trying to guess what the fuck's happening? And they're like, Oh fuck. Did you just see what came out of this fucking pig? We got a fucking flip. What are we, you know? Or do you, um, or is it like, like, is it very individualized and you're not sharing your tactics with the competition?
4: I would say we're the opposite of most sports where we do share at least, at least more so than others, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like, so me, Rich, Dan, there was, there was some awesome Oliolo. Uh, there was some group tax going about. It wasn't really about what was going to come out. It was, we actually, we started something. I, I actually, I started this because it was something that we used to do in the military where it was called gut checks. And it was these like just weekly workouts that were just awful, awful, awful. And I was like, I sent the group text to all these guys, and it was like, you know, Dan, Rich, me, um, Austin. I think Sherwood was on there because he was a team guy. And I was like, I was like, you're either in or you're out, and just say yes or no. And you don't make—they they didn't even know what it was. Nice. And uh, like all—all of, all of them said yes. And uh, and we started, you know, just sending out these terrible, terrible workouts every week. And basically, the winner of the workout got to basically become the next week's gut check. Mm. So I wouldn't say that we, you know, strategize on like what Dave's talking about, but there is a, you know, like a camaraderie between us, uh, older guys, I would say. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Shared suffering. Well, I, I do. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember one of the worst <laughs> workouts I ever did in my life was, uh, with Andy Stumpf. Uh, we did berm sprints at Coronado and mm. it was, uh, I want to say it was like 50 sprints from the water, uh, walk back. And, oh. uh, and then I, I had my, uh, my pit bull bear was there and, uh, he ran all 50 and laid down and almost died. Like, you know, <laughs> he just he yeah, he, he like ran every single sprint with like me oh. and Andy when we were walking back. And I remember like I had to carry <laughs> carry my poor dog to the car because he was he was like the type of dog where, you know, if uh, if you were if you were going to battle with a rope, he wasn't going to give up. He would just rather die than give up. And so right. he chased us up and down. And we ran these 50 sprints and it doesn't sound terrible. What are they probably 20, 30 yards on the berm? Yeah, you know, maybe like up, most, yeah. Right. So so it's like a sand berm that they have in Coronado. And it's something that the Buds instructors and the SEALs will do where they just basically run up and down. And so we would do these berm sprints. And uh, I think it was like Andy's like, let's do fifty. And I'm like, Oh if I could, 50, fifty twenties? Like, how hard could this be? Man. So we're out there. <laughs> right. I mean, we were it was probably like a legit like 45 minutes of just running up and down and my poor dog, I remember I'm like carrying my dog to the car and I'm like, you
4: fucking asshole. I almost killed my fucking dog. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, and then
4: the dog's over there, he's probably drinking the salt water. Oh, uh, like, Dude, he was like it. laying there yeah. with his
1: tongue and I remember yeah. his tongue was laying in the sand and he didn't care, that's how tired he was. And uh, right. I remember I'd like put him in the back seat and he slept for like the whole drive home. And uh, he was a fucking badass dog. But uh, yeah, no, but like the the interesting thing and I, I mean, there's the culture you come from is uh and i don't need to tell you about this but like the culture of like whatever you're going to do i'm going to find a way to one-up it and i think like that culture kind of breeds and you know you put somebody into a crossfit situation it's kind of a natural progression right for sure yeah so what yeah. uh what now that uh is that behind you
4: um the crossfit games or yeah, yeah. um we'll see you know that's uh, i haven't like announced the retirement or anything like that um, I'd love to give it another go. I think that was, uh, you know, one of the main reasons I'm getting these surgeries, obviously done on my knee is I want to have a healthy knee so that I can be like play sports with my kids and be around for my grandkids and, you know, stuff like that. But I also want to give it another go. You know, I, I don't know if I'll go individual not or yet or not, but I'll, uh, at least go team. And if I, if I decide that I don't want to go individual one more time, uh, you know, I'm obviously at the upper S <laughs> upper upper age divisions now, so I can go into the, the master's groups, which for me, I, it's not something that I really am interested in. So if I do want to give the individual side another go, because obviously I love being told that I can't do something and everyone said I couldn't do it last year and I did it. So, uh, but yeah, it's, we'll see. I, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't have a an exact plan if, if I'm going to compete or not. So um, I definitely, am going to compete at least on a team or go for it at least one more time. I don't know if I'll go for individual again or not.
1: Are you as confused you by the new CrossFit Games <laughs> rules as I am? <laughs> yeah, man.
4: I mean, it is, it is an interesting thing. That's for sure. And that's me being as politically correct as possible. Like, it's super interesting. I'm excited. I like... I'm not upset to be injured this year. I'll put it that way because (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah. Let these
1: pieces fall in place. Well, What what was kind of confusing is they just had the first, I think it was the Dubai fitness championship. And dude, I, I, uh, um, for all of, uh, my dislike of CrossFit, uh, you know, HQ and, and, you know, all all the problems we've had, I am still a 100% fan of the athletes of CrossFit because, Mm -hmm. uh, dude, I know the guys. I mean, like, um, So, and like, I I have this thing where people in the especially in the NFL, they're like, Oh, you know what, you know, what team do you follow? And I'm like, I just rooted for my friends. And now that all my friends are retiring and there's only a few guys left, I'm kind of like, I don't know who I'm going to watch because I don't know anybody anymore. So, um, what's even worse is now guys that I played with, their kids are fucking playing in the (laughs) NFL, which even makes me feel older than that. But like, uh, you know, having trained with guys and know them and seen them, like I always have been a fan of, uh, not necessarily like the the training and the nonsense but what i appreciate is just like the pure desire to fucking suffer like i appreciate right. you guys like showing up and being like hey man like just like i did when they hit me up like what a couple weeks before the game's like hey you want to do this crossfit game thing i'm like yeah i'll fucking win that i don't do this yeah. enough, but i'll fucking show up <laughs> and then they show up and i'm fucking racing spieler and deadlifts and burpees um, yeah but like, uh, like, so I'm, I'm watching the, you know, like the, the updates in the Dubai Fitness Championship, which I think was the first qualifier. And the big thing was like, there was no CrossFit official rule book. So they didn't necessarily know how to govern anything. Like there was no official kind of word. And they were kind of like, and it was kind of a big thing. People are like, how, like, how does that whole thing? I mean, yeah. I,
4: yeah. The thing that scares me the most about it is the fact that, you know, the one I, only, I never did outside competitions other than the CrossFit Games uh, season. So I did the Open, the Regionals, and the Games. And one of the main reasons why I did it is because I don't know who's doing the programming for these. I don't know what their intentions are. I don't know what their background is. I don't know if they have friends in the sport that they are giving these workouts to prior to me knowing about them. So that they're getting to train for them specifically. And that's the thing that scares me the most about these sanctioned events is I have no idea who's doing the programming for them. Right. Because I don't think it's CrossFit. Uh, so I don't know, you know, like who's going to like, how is it going to be? Uh, like, you know, be fair.
1: And, and then yeah, also, that exactly,
4: like, I don't know if it's going to be exactly if, it's gonna be if fair
1: you right show now. like, like, let's say you go to the, the to the my thing was, I was hoping that somebody would do this. And I was hoping somebody would pay Matt Frazier to just go and win them, win them all. You're right. And just be the number one finisher in them all. And just be like, yeah, I want every one, and then people, and then they're like, well, I got to take the he can't win every one. I'm just gonna show up and win them all, and then like take all the purses and this, and then be like, okay, who's gonna compete in the CrossFit Games? I and I think it's the fittest affiliate owner in each state, uh, each country. I think like each country is gonna crown their fittest from the affiliates. I think was the other piece. Like I think there was just I tried to follow. uh, Armin's doing a good job of like trying to explain it. I like to think I'm a pretty sharp dude that can retain a lot of information and I couldn't follow it all. So I just so
4: so you have, so the, if in the open, if you have an affiliate in your country, if then, and if you win the open and you're in that country, then you get a spot to the games, right? So the United States is going to get one spot for male and female. And then if you're in Ireland, you're going to get one spot in one, one male and one female. And if you're in, and if you're in, uh, I don't know. Countries in Afri- uh, you know, Africa probably have, uh, I'm guessing, at least. I know at least South Africa does. And so then you're going to get one spot. And then you have the 16 sanctioned events and you have to win those. But if you, if you're called, qualif- so if Matt goes to any other qualifier, like say Matt Fraser goes to any other qualifier and now wins them, they're going to take second place. So if Matt does go and win them all, they take second place from those events so that he can't just sit there and take up all the qualifying spots
1: i think he should do anyway just for the humor <laughs> of it just to be like right. "Yeah, hey, i'm just gonna travel i mean because the dude seems like like he might, be,
4: he might die from that i don't know if that
1: would <laughs> uh, yeah be I mean, like, yeah like well, he, let's see
2: if he's a cyborg or not because yeah, yeah, i like, have my suspicion
1: right, exactly. uh, like i i watched the games and that dude didn't look real tired the only other person i've ever seen exercise as fast as they can and not look tired was rich and right. like that that was always the funny part like he would be moving as fit, as fast as humanly possible and just be like, ah, oh, I'm not really that tired. What's for dinner? Bored. Yeah, bored. yeah, boring. Yeah, and, boring. And, and, and I sometimes think that those dudes are doing that just to fucking mind fuck other people. I'm going to look like this oh, doesn't yeah. bother me. I mean, which is what you yeah. have to do. Because you, you, you know inside, it's like for the same reason that... Um, uh, like when they, we, we used to change quarters, you know, like obviously, like, you know, every quarter you change sides of the field. So if we were on the field, whatever, you know, when you had to do it, we would literally just take off and try to race down to the other side of the field as fast <laughs> yeah. as we can. Like even when it was like 100 yeah. degrees, we would just take off running and the other team yeah. would be like, fuck you guys, yawn at us. We're like, what do you mean? It's easy. And you're fucking tired of shit, you know? So I think that yeah. those guys have the same, I mean, you probably do it too. Like, what do you mean? That was the easiest thing I've ever done. Are you tired of oh, Yeah, for sure. I
4: remember actually one of the, one of the times where I did that, the, the the because i mean that's what you do in wrestling as well you just try to break the other person mentally and you can feel it you can feel it in their body you can feel it like how you're when you're wrestling with someone when you break them and it's like that was your sole intention when you wrestle someone was just to break them and break their spirit break their like i mean i now being a coaching my two young kids i can watch their opponents break like my my son was wrestling this kid the other day and it was actually a really close match it was like six to four or something but you I, i was like I was like, that kid right there, he's broken, and I knew my son was going to win, and that like not saying my son's the best, or whatever, whatever, but I just saw it, I was like, that kid's broke, he's done, like it's over, the match is over, and it was in the second period and, was, and, and then my kid ended up pinning him like probably thirty seconds later, but uh, but anyway, so back like at the games, I remember when the first year that we did the half marathon in a row, and um they lined us up alphabetical order, and I was sitting next to Matt Chan, and I was just like I remember just like being in it. And he would, I was like, my whole, my soul thing was just not stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop pulling. I'm not going to get off this row or nothing. And I remember every time Matt put his row or put his handle down to take a drink or something like that, I would do like 10 hard pulls as hard as I could every time he did it. And I remember just being like, I just want to break this guy. And it was, and I I, I did, I feel like I did. I don't know if I did or not. I never (laughs) actually actually talked to him about it, but I was like, I was like, did you notice how hard I'd start pulling every time that you stopped? I just, uh, you know. And that was exactly that, that same mentality it's like, I want to go out there and I want to make every other person realize like, I'm, I'm so much better than you are, you know, like I'm so much better shape than you are right now. So,
3: yeah. I, I a, guess with a, an individual sport like that or, or swimming, like in football, you can impose your will physically, but it's
1: such a mental game if you're an individual right. athlete well I mean I mean we did the same thing in football that's why I always came out real hard like uh the first I remember the first quarter the first couple series I would try to hurt the dude early because I knew if I could hurt him and he gave up then at least I would be okay the problem is when motherfuckers didn't go up and you went suicide pace (laughs) and I'm sure you've been in this being like I'm going suicide pace and then the dude next to you is matching it and you're like oh god what are you doing stop this (laughs) and in your mind you're like I can't break Oh fuck! I didn't fall off. I didn't fall off. Yeah. Is there anything like? I mean, geez, you've been to the game six times. Uh, was there any like one thing that happened where you thought, "Oh fuck, somebody's gonna die"? <laughs>
4: uh- <laughs>
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think. Was it the open water swims? Because uh, I, you know, like I grew up in Southern California. Like I grew up swimming in the ocean. Like that was our fucking deal. I mean, are yeah. you know, obviously your previous life. I mean, sw- open water swims was. I mean, dude, we did from the time we were little kids. We did junior lifeguards. So like every right. summer, you know, junior lifeguards, you learn to swim in the water, and like you know, and people get scared to death in the fucking ocean. Text. So yeah, like right. So like, I, I, as soon as I saw the open water swim. I was like, holy shit, somebody's gonna fucking drown.
4: Yeah. I mean, I didn't get to, I, I, I've always been like, same as you, like, I've always been pretty comfortable with the water because obviously I had to. I mean, I, we swam five miles in the ocean one time and, you know, I was like, all right, this is, this is, this is nothing. So, like, those swims for me, I was like, this is so, such a short distance that it, it can't scare other people. But then you saw people quit, like in the 2011 games, you know, you had a couple people literally come out of the water and quit and you're like, that's only 250. I mean, we, the first swim was literally out past the breakers and back and that was it. And I was like, people are quitting off this. Like it was eye opening, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So I don't I don't know if I'd ever thought like people were gonna die. I wanna I'm trying to think of like the highest volume games that I felt like was at. Um but I never I never thought it was, but I think that you're just so in the moment in the competition that you're not even really thinking about other people and like how they feel. Um for me, I just I I hope they did, you know. Not, not legitimately die, but I hope they died off to where they're like, I don't
1: want to compete anymore. So. Um, I, yeah. I remember when, when they hit me up to go out and teach that sled push uh, and they put that sled in. Um, so we were always taught you basically head and hands and you drive a sled with it in front of you. And so when we went out to go demo it, uh, the grass was, was really like, really like uh, not wet. It wasn't slick. So when I went to go hit it, uh, it wasn't going anywhere. And then they weighted the sled in such a way that I remember looking at it and being like, uh, if these people don't fucking put their shoulder in it, they're going to break their necks. So right. I changed the fucking technique and was like, hey, guys, um, the way they had me demo this on concrete was this is the most efficient way. The way that they've weighted these sleds and they're doing all this shit, like put your shoulder into it and fucking drive it like a, like a horse. And so the hilarious part is everybody came out and then they had shown the video before. And people were like, they're not even doing what Wellborn fucking said. If, you know, <laughs> and like, people lost their minds. I'm like, yo, man, we made a game time decision to change it because people were going to get their fucking necks broken. Right. So like, you know, and it just was. Uh, you know typical like hey this is going to do one thing and then on game day they showed up and did something completely different and then you got to adjust the uh uh, like a, a gesture technique. And I just remember the funniest thing was watching Dave Lipson carrying like seven fucking bags and like all of this stuff, like chasing after Camille, who was carrying nothing. And like, he was <laughs> like, I just remember being like, oh, dude, this poor guy. Uh, dude, she was just like yelling at him, like, I need my, you know, stuff. And he's like, oh, oh, oh this. And I'm like, oh. But uh, right, no, wow. dude, it, yeah, I, I just like with the heat and all that and what they were doing, man, it just seems like, uh, you know, you know, it, it, I think it kind of ran its course. I'm sorry that, uh, it got to, it, it changed the way that it did. Cause I think it was pretty amazing to watch.
4: Right. I thought I that they had a fun, like, they had a really great thing going on. I think they had kind of dialed it in to where they found the right people to go to the games. Right. They they found the right athletes. And so now it's like, I don't know if they're just trying to make it more inclusive. I know it's a, I know it's a business. I get that. I, everything in life, everything in this world is a business. And so everything's there to make money. Um, It just sucks that they made, they had this whole thing and they kind of figured it out. They figured out like, I loved all the different aspects of the, of the the season. Right. I loved the open. I thought it was really cool that how they, you know, you had one workout a week, you got to do it in your home gym. You got to videotape it, send it in. And like, you know, they took, then you had to qualify from there. And then you went to regionals where everyone was there, now it's a live situation. You're actually up against your competition. You have six workouts in a weekend, which is a lot for most, for a lot of people. You have judges, you know, you have fans. So it gets a little bit for some people, like they don't handle that well. And then some people do. So then you got that. And then you got, and you also get to train for the workouts a couple of weeks in advance. And so like, all right, specifically train. So it's a little different. And then you go to the games and it's like, all right, now you're competing against the best people. There's a lot of people there watching and you're not going to find out the workouts until right before almost right before you do them. And so I thought they had figured it out. Really. I thought they did a great job. Um, Putting it up to the world.
1: I mean, like, uh, like, like I have a, it's, I wrestle with this idea of like, um, you know, the fittest on the planet. Right. So I always joke that like, it's the fittest person on the planet doing Dave Castro's workout on that weekend. uh, You know, but for the most part, open it up to the world. Hey, anybody in the world can do it. And I'd always thought that it was amazing that they open it up to the world uh, for everybody in the open. Everybody goes to the regionals and then you end up with about the people you thought were going to be able to do the best. And like, like like there was very few times where like a dude was like an unknown or somebody comes out. And then if they did, like if you look back, they were super consistent and everything else. They just had just found it recently. And uh, like like to me, I always thought that it was kind of neat. And the fact that they made that claim, I mean, I know people fucking bashed them. What about this? What about this? Well, hey, if we're fucking wrong, then show up and convince us we're wrong. Now, it's not the best athlete on the planet. It's not the best test of athleticism. I mean, obviously, watching Jason Kalipa do the softball throw, fucking let me know that (laughs) happened. But, (laughs) you know, the change of direction was another one. But uh, like, I think for what they what, what CrossFit was trying to do, I think it. fucking kind of was cool man it hit the mark so much so that the rock's doing it on the titan games i don't know if you guys saw all the stuff on that but like he i mean it's the same type of shit and i think there was a market for it i just i think um like you said man it's a business and i think that you know crossfit's looking to pivot the business a little bit towards the affiliates and i know crossfit health is a big initiative and i know there was like some concerns or whatnot but I, who knows I'm I, I got to imagine that they've kind of created something to not continue it in such a way just seems I don't know but I mean we're looking at it from the outside who knows how it works on the inside
4: right yeah we'll see we'll see how we'll see exactly how it plays out this year and then where it goes from here so I'm, I'm interested to see I hope that I'm not in my gut feeling I hope I'm not right that it's not gonna do well I hope that it does I hope that it somehow takes shape and takes form and they're able to to handle whatever they're thrown at them because I, you know, I feel like having 260 individual athletes on each side is going to be just crazy at the games. And it, I, I don't, and it's going to be really fucking humanity is what I like to it. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, I get, they're going to have big cuts and that makes sense, but it's like, then are people going to be able to afford to come there to only participate in probably one event and, you know, And are they going to be willing to? So it's going to be interesting for sure. And I think that there's going to be a lot of athletes that probably deserve to be there that aren't going to be there, which is going to be, you know, crappy. And so we'll see if something else doesn't come in, like, you know, the Rocks scenario to take that place, you know, to like, to be like, hey, there's a lot of great CrossFit athletes out there that aren't going to the games anymore. You know, how can we, how can we provide something that gets these people there that deserve to be there?
1: Well, I always think we'll too, like, like what is, um, uh, you know, and, and the, the thing which was so interesting with the CrossFit space is like, you know, like, let's say you're an ex athlete, you're an ex wrestler, you're doing this, like, like what, what's left for you to compete at? Uh, you know, like, um, I, I don't want to do a triathlon. I mean, I know Luke was doing triathlons and you're like, Oh God, this is awful. Yeah. And so you're like, yeah. I'm not going to run a marathon. I'm not going to do a triathlon. Uh, you know, like power lifting at the. You know, now powerlifting has gotten way cooler because of all like the non-geared stuff. But I remember when like we went to go, they look about competing in powerlifting. I'm like, ah, dude, there's a lot of shit you got to put on. You got to put on knee wraps and suits and all the other stuff. And I just think it was like it looked really fucking like a lot of work. So uh, Olympic lifting, like, um, you know, Olympic lifting wasn't necessarily big. And so when you look at like there was like this whole kind of late 20s, early 30s people that were strength athletes that wanted to do something fucking fun. And CrossFit literally just backfilled it. And like all of a sudden these people were like, fuck, here's something I can compete at, something I can train for, something I can live my life for that doesn't involve sitting on a fucking bike and having my prostate go numb every day. And, um, <laughs> right exactly you know so like no that, it, I mean
4: that was exactly why I did it you know it was like I was done competing in wrestling and um I and then my buddy showed me I, I mean I started doing CrossFit in 05 right and before it was the games and I was like this is just a really cool way to train it like it just gave me uh, something to compete in even if it was just with my buddies you know to where I was like oh I got to do this as many rounds as possible as many reps as possible or as fast as possible this is awesome and then it all of a sudden it became a sport and I was just like this is this is amazing. And I think that's, and then you have all, so that exactly, it filled that void for so many people who once are done with their comp, you know, the competitive lifespan it just gives them one more thing to do other than like intramural sports.
1: Yeah. But then you also, you got to the, you know, what do we call the athlete's journey? Like now we're robbing people of their athlete's journey. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm just going to focus on this. And you're like, ah, oh, this was just meant for a bunch of ex athletes or people that wanted to train a little bit later. Like this isn't the tool for athletic development. And the thing that I got on a lot of the kids with is, like, until they start giving scholarships at, at Division I schools for CrossFit. Yep. Um I fucking dude, it's uh, it's a bad idea. Like, I mean, dude, you can go to college. You can, you know, like you said, you you know, you went to an NIA school. You got to wrestle. Like, you you play football. I mean, if you can use your training growing up and like this this network of gyms and all this information to necessarily like gather a scholarship, and now all of a sudden I can go to school. Believe me, all this stuff will exist out there. Like, you have such a small window to be able to go compete at that level. Like, I wouldn't want to rob anybody of that experience.
2: And then also I the guess, pro- I mean, the progression through youth sports as well into let's call it high school or even college or even professional. There's a a level of character development that you acquire in dealing with good coaches, bad coaches, good teammates, bad teammates that are applicable skills to the real world. Getting cut, getting benched, all that shit. Yeah. But that, I feel like that doesn't happen in, in like a developmental arc within the sport of fitness, or maybe it does. I don't fucking know.
4: I I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I get that question without a doubt it's probably more besides nutrition and how do you recover? Like, would you, do you make your kids do like, are you going to let your kids do CrossFit? I'm like, of course I'm gonna let my kids do CrossFit as a sport. No, not until they're done with their athletic career. Like exactly. Like your athletic window to, to go into a, a sport like, you know, baseball, football, soccer, uh, whatever it is, you know, but the actual, you know, a sport where you can get a, a scholarship at a college too. Uh, is such a small window, and, I, and uh, that's the biggest thing for me. And I'm like, and I want my kids to grow up playing every different sport they want to play. I'll never, I'll never say no, you can't play that sport, except for maybe football now because of all the, the you know, the, and, and that's only at a young age, only until they get into high school. I then, hey, if you want to play football, go ahead. Well, well and that. my be thing has things
1: always things been, been like uh they should be strong enough to defend themselves so like I, right. I think when when i remember all the people that i saw that got really fucked up playing football was because they were not physically at a level where they could defend themselves in the arena like i'm one of the worst concussions i ever saw came from a dude who was like shouldn't have fucking been there and right. uh, you know and like uh, so i think for sometimes with little kids like they're they haven't had the, the the strength training, like the building of, like my, my buddy Rick always calls it, like building your meat suit, which I think is fucking hilarious. But he he would always <laughs> say it. He's like, man, like, you know, like you trained your life, like put on armor to be able to do this. Like little kids don't have armor. And so, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm with you on it. But I also love the fact that you got your kids wrestling. I'll tell you this, man, of of all the dudes I knew in high school, the one dudes that I wouldn't didn't want to fuck with were the wrestlers.
4: Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> And for me it was just like me and my boys, we just that was what we did. We fought, you know, like from the moment from the moment they could crawl and walk, like they would they'd would be punching me in the face, jumping on me. I could I couldn't sit down in the house. I still can't really. I can't a little bit more now, but it's because they were just on top of me wrestling and that, and finally I was like, my oldest son turned five, I was like, Hey man, there's a sport called wrestling that daddy did. And if you want to do it, like we'll go find a we'll go find a club and we'll get you going. And he was like, Yeah, let's do it. And so I have little kid wrestling clubs? Yeah. yeah yeah all across yeah i mean you could start wrestling at five wow and so that, that my youngest started wrestling he was in the room at three he just couldn't actually go and like go to tournaments and stuff like that and i don't push him to where like i'm like oh you know i, I know at five year old five years old you're not winning world championships so it's like if you want to go to the tournaments we'll go to the tournaments if you don't you don't not a big deal but we're going to go into the room and practice and because every every kid that was like the one thing that i started wrestling in eighth grade it was like if you wanted to be you know go on to another level like you have to start wrestling you have to get the mat time in and like every kid that was like a division one wrestler that went on to do anything you know they started wrestling when they were like five six seven years old you know and so for me i was like hey this is something that you want to do down the road like i'm gonna try to give you the best advantage that i can right because that was that was the only thing i felt like i was missing other than that so
1: well, wow, No, yeah. I, no, it's great. I, um, dude, the, the fact that they get into it, I mean, I, I remember dude, like of, uh, when I was in high school, I do, I was never nervous about ever fucking with any of the football players. And I played football. I just, I remember like, even like the lighter, like smaller wrestlers, like the hundred and, like 32 pound dudes would seriously For, like, whoop fucking me. ass I, I remember there was a yep. there was a big like uh, fight at like a party and there was sort of, like there was like a big brawl like I just remember we were at this high school party and a bunch of the football players totally fucking like either pushed out or kind of like didn't want to get into it and these wrestling <laughs> dudes like little dudes were in there slaying these fucking big guys and I remember <laughs> thinking like those fucking wrestler dudes are pretty fucking tough. And then I remember we went in there and uh, uh, they had like a, a like a, a room that with mats and they put a bunch of uh, heaters, like space heaters in there, and they would train and they would jump rope. So we would always go in and jump rope with those guys because they had these big, thick, fucking heavy ropes. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, these fucking dudes are in here all day. This shit sucks. And they fucking loved it. And those dudes wanted oh, to battle and fight, and they were good fighters. So I always remember thinking, like, for, um, for my kids, like, I got little girls, but I got a little boy, I'm like... I'd get him into wrestling. He would fucking love it. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's going to be three in March. I,
4: and, I, and I think it builds a lot of like a lot of qualities to where like teams. I, I love team sports. I think team sports give so many great characteristics and great qualities to kids and help them develop so many skills that they need. But only, when you go out on a wrestling mat, it's you and that's it. It's just you and like you can't fall back on anybody. else. If you're having a bad day in wrestling, you're going to get your ass kicked and that's just that's just the truth and wrestling is not a fun sport to suck at so you have to <laughs> learn really quick you have to learn really quick like whether this is for you and this is not or it's not for you and like if i think it builds like my my when my five-year-old his my youngest son when he for his first match i had to walk his hand out to the mat because he was so scared he didn't want to do it and he's super shy and i was like i just looked at the referee and i was like hey man just blow the whistle and he'll start wrestling. I promise. And he's like, what he's like, you just want me to blow the whistle. I'm like, yes, just blow the whistle and he'll start wrestling. And he's like, okay. And he blew the whistle and literally like let go of my hand. And I ran off the mat and he started wrestling. And ever since then, he's had no issues. Now he goes out there by himself. And you know, once we get that out of the way, but I like building that confidence in a five and a seven year old, you know, like to walk out there on their mat and knowing that like whether, like it's me versus this kid, and that's it you know I, I can't rely on anybody else I can't rely like if I'm having a bad day, like I can't fall back and be like, oh, my teammates suck today, and that's why we lost. It's like, nope, I sucked today, and that's why I lost so it's been really cool and like and I like just watching them grow and become athletes and like build those characteristics it's it's a really it's been amazing like like i can't uh i th- I think it's just a great sport I think every little kid should should try wrestling at least once.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I did. I love it. I mean, especially that uh, that combat stuff. I mean, we did, you know, martial arts and that. And I remember uh, I wasn't necessarily a huge fan. I mean, I did have some uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but it just seemed lazy to me. Like, it just yeah. seemed like a lot of dudes <laughs> laying on their back. And so what I always appreciate, especially in the UFC, you can tell the dudes that were wrestlers because they're fucking literally like go hard, grounded, pound type of dudes. And they yeah. like, you know, they take the fight on early, whereas the BJJ stuff looks like, I mean, just a bunch of high Brazilians who just want to lay back and fucking get you like a bow constrictor, which is equally as fucking dangerous. But, like, I just always sure. appreciated that kind of high motor and the guys that developed that, especially at a young age. I think, I mean, Luke, dude, you're not in your head. You probably played with a lot of dudes that were wrestlers. And
2: Well, I'm thinking yeah. of my—I bu- I was just at a bachelor party earlier this year, and there was a little wrestler kid who's national, like national collegiate wrestler named Mark. And I'm like, I'm not fucking afraid of you, man. And that kid fucking whooped my ass in wrestling. I mean, he was he was am hundred pounds heavier than him. I went in pretty good shape, too. And he fucking murdered me, man. And I'm just like, yeah, he is a crazy motherfucker. And i he won like I gave him his trophy for the weekend. But and then also going back to like just formative development in terms of like I'm trying to think of a, a buddy who was a wrestler who wasn't a just a hard worker like just grind, you know, and it's just that grind mentality. Like you're going to suffer, but there's an outcome. Right. And, uh, I mean, I can think of Bo Columbo, right. He was a youth wrestler rolling all the way up and he's just as one of those dudes who will just never fucking quit, you know, never quit. So
4: I think that's that's like one of the biggest lessons Russ like wrestlers always come out with, right. It's like, you Mm -hmm. have to be the hardest worker in the room. You know, like the first to show up last, to leave, hardest work in the room, like, eyes open mouth shut type of deal and i think that's what also helped me so like in every other aspect of my life I, always people always always like oh being a navy seal that's where you gained your mental toughness and i'm like i i go back to wrestling that's where i sure. think it came from so i mean don't get me wrong i think
1: where did you, of, uh, did, did you grow up uh did you grow up in california
4: no i grew up in st louis st louis missouri so okay. um midwest you know like just
1: uh and then and then you went to what NIA school
4: uh, Lindenwood university. Where's so it's, that in, at? it's actually, it's in my hometown. It's in St. Charles, Missouri. Okay. So where I was like, where I went to high school It was literally like two <laughs> exits away from my house.
1: Dude. I know exactly um, where St. Charles is. I lived in, yeah. uh, lived in Kansas city. So
4: yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And, uh, right. I remember, uh, Turley, you, you know, uh, he played in St. Louis and so, right. yeah, I know, yeah, I know exactly where that is.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, good old St. Charles Reserve St. Chuck. Um, and then had, uh, and, a,
1: and then you you wrestled there and went to college then. How did you like then you joined the Navy? Like
4: so then I got out. I got out. Um I, I only wrestled for a year. I hated my coach in college and I I had this like I was going through this awesome phase of where I, you know, had a sense of entitlement and you know thought I, you know, hated my coach and he just he he owed me something in my life and um got a chip on my shoulder and left wrestling, left college. Went into the business world for a little bit, doing the most awful jobs in the world. Um, which we're, we're looking back, it was a blessing in disguise because it really showed me that how much I hated that part of the part of life, and I I wanted to do something with like you know more physically demanding. Um, but I was like a tele I was a telemarketer for a year and a half, and then I went and be I was a loan officer for three years, like doing mortgages, refinances, and, and purchases. And then a guy in the mortgage industry was like, hey, I'm gonna go be a Navy SEAL. It's something I've wanted to do since I was a little kid. And I was like, What I've never heard of that. What's what is that? You know, growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, you know what Army Rangers are and Marines are. That was it. And so um, yeah, started doing my research on it. And he's the same guy, the same guy that told me about the Navy SEALs is the same guy who introduced me to CrossFit. He's like, he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go be a Navy SEAL. And this is how some of these guys train. He's like, they use CrossFit and he's like, You wanna check it out? January 2005 and I was like yeah sure let's, let's check it out I'll, I'll go work out with you and uh fell in love immediately and then I like I was like this is really cool I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna go try to be a Navy SEAL too so um enlisted uh like a year and a half later or two years later and yeah so that's how I found both of them did he get to be a Navy SEAL uh no he gave the old college try quit on day two oh, oh fuck yeah <laughs> no oh. he, he was a good guy and he was going through some some issues and he became, he went end up ended up becoming EOD, which uh-huh. is uh, yeah. guys who basically, uh, you know, clear bombs, um, good guy, you know, just bad timing for him. I felt like, and maybe, uh, and this is another thing why I think a lot of guys don't make it through the training is they, they put it up on this pedestal and they think it's like something that's unobtainable. And they like, like, Oh, like, you know, you have to be such a, an amazing person to do this. And it's like, you really don't, you know, you have to basically just not quit. That's all.
1: Yeah, I remember. Bo, I remember uh, Bo Bergner. Uh, after he got booted out, came in. Uh, you know, was going through his trials and tribulations. Uh, he came to and worked for me about And I remember we were sitting there shooting the shit, and he's like, "Man, I would do buds every single day of my life just to get back there if I could." He goes, "I loved it. It was the greatest thing I ever did." And he was like, "I, I loved it." And, I, and he's like, "It just was." After it all ended, like they gave us money, and next thing I, know, I got myself in trouble. He's like, "I really just." like the the you know the rigidity and like the structure of it he's like uh once uh you know i was out to the world like i fucking realized i wasn't the right person for it but he's like it's great he's like the fact that people quit fucking blew my mind and i was like like <laughs> right. i mean i I'd never heard anybody ever really kind of put it like that
4: yeah it's true i mean i remember i remember when Bo, Bo was going through i uh i remember like seeing him he got in, got in a little bit of trouble and I was like such a bummer because he probably would have been just fine you know if he just could have like, kept a little, you know, kept his nose a little cleaner, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's weird. It's weird to see that people like actually quit. Like people always ask like, Oh, did you think about quitting? I'm like, I actually never did. I loved it. I remember smiling. I'm like, I'm running on a, I'm running on a beach right now with a boat on my head. Like, really? Like I'm getting paid to do this. I had beachfront property, my window in my bedroom, you know, that I had to clean and whatever, keep clean. I like, literally I could hear the waves crashing. I mean, that burn that you're talking about, my, yeah. I could, my bedroom was right there. I'm like, I had beachfront property. Are you kidding me? how is this a bad thing? This is awesome. I get to shoot guns. I get to work out every day. Like this is, I I would, I would pay to do this, but instead I'm getting paid.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean. I, Best job i ever yeah. had. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Reminds right. me yeah. of Fury. Yeah, but I mean, like, like that's kind of the, the mentality of all the guys that I've met who have gone and been very successful. They were like, this is great. What else would I be doing? A post from everybody like, oh, it was so hard. And it's usually the guys that don't make it are the ones that have built it up into this kind of huge deal. And, right. uh, and I've, I'll tell you, the, um, there's nothing better than uh, hanging out with Navy SEALs who meet guys that quit during Bud's. Uh, I had the rare opportunity of hanging out with Andy. Oh, like Stump. in the wild? Yeah, in the wild. So you, oh, you cross paths at like a meeting or something? You, you, or yeah, like, but I was with Andy and I forgot huh. where we were, but we ran into somebody who had quit and wanted to come talk to him about it. And, uh, you know, Andy being a kind he's and sensitive, gentle, right? sensitive.
2: receptive, sensitive receptive guy.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, dude, uh, to, to this day, one of my uh, um, most memorable experiences was Andy calls me. He's like, hey, man, we're, uh, we're doing this thing called the Beehive. He's like, you got to come down. It's where we're doing a swim test. But he goes, "Uh, you know, uh, I got to go like end of first phase. They have like a a deal where they basically tie like regulators and knots and they try to do this whole thing to like fuck with dudes. But he's like, there's going to be this thing with the new guys called the Beehive. You got to come fucking see this. So I show up and he's doing the pool regulator test. And I remember he comes up. He's like, I'm going to tie this dude's regulator and probably 100 fucking knots and he's going to die. Watch this shit. So he goes down. He literally. <laughs> tie- me. Yeah, it was probably you. <laughs> Ties fucking <laughs> knots. Like and, and so what the guy. so you have to do is they take the mask off and then you have to go through an order of operations and get your shit undone. And, yeah. you know, and like it's this whole fucking deal.
4: So this is pool comp, not uh, the beehive's different.
1: Oh, but no, no. Comp. So, so yep. this was the pool comp. And then after they brought the young guys into, or the new guys to mm-hmm. do the beehive. And so yeah. I remember Andy's like, it's going to happen. And so we were hanging out, they got done with the pool test and then like the fucking young guys. So they basically put them in their full, like, you know, dress and they, or they're in their camis. They throw them in the fucking pool and all the instructors go around them. And so the guys are all treading water and the instructors just start kind of pushing them all together, like into this fucking like beehive. And all of a sudden, like one dude gets tired and goes down and fucking starts pulling one dude who pulls one dude. And all of a sudden, people fucking start screaming. And, dude, I'm up there and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to die. And Andy's like, I fucking hope they all die. And uh, (laughs) the smart guys just slowly took a breath and like sunk to the bottom and came back up and like kind of depth charge. But like they they didn't do that. And uh, like 30 percent of the class quit within two minutes. To the point where they yeah. stopped it, and, like, all these dudes are quit. It was, uh, it was fucking yeah. savage. I was, like, I was so scared for these dudes. And Andy's like, why do you feel bad for these fucking
4: assholes? I'm like, because I'm a
1: fucking human being, you fuck. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know? it, it, it was people, pretty wild, people man. with white people with white shirts on aren't human beings just so you know yeah,
1: okay yeah yeah those are the fucking recruits but man and then uh yeah it was it was pretty good man but uh, shit it, it was such a cool time i mean i used to uh, fucking dave and robin and those guys and alex and we used to go out to la posta like at least you know yeah. twice a month and i got to get to, to go shoot and do all that so it was uh it was fucking awesome man i was really stoked when when that whole thing was going down because i got to really go out and shoot a bunch of government ammo so it was cool yeah <laughs>
4: right that always helps yeah, that's a good time right there. Yeah, the beehive was crazy. I mean, that was that that I remember exactly. I mean, that was like you. Basically, I would just grab a breath and go down and and like pull down. We only had a couple kids quit ours, but yeah, it was just like people just start freaking out. And that's exactly the whole test. What they're doing it's like basically all buds is is how, how can you handle how does this person handle stress? Can they can they get past it? Can they keep calm and stay calm? Because that's all they're trying to test is. Can you, can you stay calm in a, in chaos, right? Because obviously when you go to war, that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, that beehive was just, that was nuts. But the pull comp was way worse. And Andy, I had, Andy was my instructor for that.
1: I'd have been there that day then.
4: And he, he was my third. He was my, so you get four attempts at pull comp. And if you don't want to pass on your fourth attempt, you get rolled back into the class prior. You have to go back through it all. And then if you don't pass it the second time, then you get dropped. Well, I came down to my, my, my third attempt was Andy was my instructor. And I was like, God damn it. Like, cause I knew that he was one of the hardest. Uh, so before you like,
1: knew Andy. So, so before, cause you, cause you know him, I mean, obviously you know him socially and like he's one yeah. of the boys, but like as a, as a student viewing him as an instructor, what was yeah. like, I mean, obviously he's a fucking asshole. Uh, but like <laughs> no, that's, you,
4: know, you know, what's crazy is he was one of my favorite instructors and it was like, it was because he did everything he didn't did. He wasn't doing it maliciously. You could tell he wasn't doing it because he like hated you as a person. Like he was playing a role. He was doing a job and he did it with a smile on his face. And he did it, like, he like this, like, he's like, I remember some of the worst beat downs we ever got was from Andy. And he's like, this beat down is going to be epic. And it will not be over quickly. <laughs> and then, and then, I'll tell you, like, I remember him to the T like they weren't like, and uh, but he never like was like, you know, in your face, just yelling at you, screaming at you, like, which I didn't care. It didn't bother me at all. If someone did. But the way he just did it it was just like this dude is nasty like he he is going to he is going to wreck me and he's doing it with And you could tell he just enjoyed it you know as for as monotonous as that job becomes like he enjoyed it he enjoyed like being the gatekeeper right only allowing the people who should get through to get through um but man he was just like he would just be sitting there you know smiling while he did this crap like i mean there was this one time where we were on the beach and he, you'd have to fill your, your mask full of water. And then you have to go get a, a mouthful of water of, of ocean water. And then you'd have to like go, um, you'd have to lay One guy would lay on their back and another guy would bear crawl up that sand burn and you'd have to wrap your arms around his neck and he would drag you up the sand burn, like bear crawling with a mouth, like his mask full of salt, salt water and his mouth full of salt water. And then once you got done doing that, however many times you'd have to go get in the line. And then you have to uh, like show that there, you still had water in your mask, and you still have water in your mouth. And if you didn't, it just all started over and over again. And it was just like it was just awful. And I was. Like, this was this this was like the horrible stuff that Andy would come up with, you know, to do. And you're like, this is insane. Like, why why are we doing this?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's fucking Andy Stump, man. He's a, yeah. he's a fucking different cat in that way. And uh, yeah. no, I mean, it's. Uh, having worked in like uh that nsw community there's always an interesting thing where like in you know we when we were our development group like the the biggest uh compliment is like so-and-so was a proficient seal he you know he he embodied you know and like i always joke with uh, with brewer about like the quiet professional and that but like you know since now it's you know people write books but the idea of like he was a proficient seal and i've i've heard that one like over and over again it's like um you know, I guess like a what's the word like a show of respect, not like ah, oh, you know, that guy's a fucking douchebag or that guy wrote a book or this guy you know problems, but like he was a proficient seal, he was a good seal, like so exactly, he
4: was he was good
1: at his job. Yeah, he was good at his job. Now you know, personal life, I mean, obviously, is a different thing for a lot of guys, but like he was he, he was <laughs> yeah, you know, we can't judge that way. So. <laughs> so what's next man so like uh you know obviously you got this knee injury coming up i mean uh you know you got a whole plan of attack to knock that out and then hopefully a big Mm -hmm. you know training evolution to be able to get back and see if you can fucking attain some of what you you
4: know like i want to get back and see if i can you know obviously still give it a go hang with the young bucks one more time and and if not you know go team for a little bit and see how that plays out You know, I just want to also start to give back. I feel like that's like the nature, you know, the course of being an athlete or being in any sort of role, right? So in CrossFit, I want to obviously now start to give back to the community, like all the lessons that I learned, all the things that I've learned and and gone through and um, help these guys as much as possible. I feel like it's the same way in the SEAL community, the same way in the college community. I'm sure it's the same way in the football community, you know, to where like you start to give back, right? You start to, you know, you have a lot of younger guys coming up and you don't want them to go through the same, hard lessons that you had to learn, you know, so um, starting to do that a little bit, you know, and I think that's a, it's a cool thing to do. And then obviously, you know, focus on my kids and their sports and their lives and things like that. Got a lot of things going on the horizon, you know, we'll see which way I lean towards. So, but yeah.
2: Well, yeah. And you were mentioning earlier, maybe before the show, you got a little podcast coming up. Maybe that's a little opportunity to give back to the community. So if you guys are listening and want more of Josh, keep your eyes peeled for that, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. we doing the, doing the podcast, started a YouTube channel, um, doing uh, other stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Doing some like min- mental stuff. I, I think that's huge for, for the veterans especially is like mental, the mental side of things. Right. I mean, we have so many veterans, you know, coming home and committing suicide and just right. struggling just to like get back into life. And so like any way that I can help these guys or men and women that, you know, have served our country to, to help with that side of things, man, I'm like, i'm just so stoked i'm doing that because i think it's it's such a an overlooked thing for a lot of people and you know these guys come back men and women come back from you know being overseas and they just they're just struggling and so i really want to help help those people out in any way that i can possibly and so that's just a huge thing for me right now
2: well nice man cool josh thanks a bunch for jumping on man it was great chat
4: great nah, chat. Man, i'm glad you guys i really appreciate you guys having me on it's Awesome. So well, no, it's great. Yeah, no,
1: yeah, it's it's great to have you on. Like, uh, um, on like, uh, we've always been friendly, and I've always counted you like in you know in, in that circle, and uh, I'm stoked that one. I got to help you get a cool truck, and uh, two, round. we got to jump on here and 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 bullshit, and it's always nice. Like, uh, you know, when you meet people that have you know like within a similar deal that they do cool shit. So I'm stoked. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no, I
4: appreciate it. Man. Thank you.
1: All right, all right, thank you. See, right, you, Josh. Josh.
3: See, you. Right. See you, Josh.
2: See you. Bye.
0: <laughs> now it's time for you to empower your performance hey there chubs feeling a little extra jiggle from eating and drinking like your plane was going down over the holidays perhaps a little nutrition revamp is just what the cardiologist ordered check out powerathletehqcom backslash nutrition for leaning protocols that will have you looking like a tasty snack new year new you same power athlete radio until next time my bye by in my ear,
1: with no